We're going to speak on patience this morning. Now, I'm going to give you a warning. A lot of times I give warnings before I preach. (laughs) But I'm giving you a warning that this is not your typical message on patience. So if you turned your brain off, I'm going to ask you to turn it back on. Uh, because the Spirit of God wants to do something different with us this morning. I'm not going to talk out of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, so you can rest, but I'm going to talk out of a different passage this morning. Patience is key for us as Christ followers, especially in this uh, instant microwavable world that we are ever increasing in minute by minute. Uh, It's so easy because everything is on demand and at our fingertips. We can go shopping. uh, We can watch our movies from anywhere, from our phones or from our computers, our TVs. Uh, We have access to cable. And if we don't like something, we have 40 million options that we can choose from. In fact, yesterday, I stopped at a bookstore in town, and uh, I asked the the clerk, and I said, hey, I said, do you have this particular book in stock? And she looks at me, and she goes, well, let me check. So she runs, you know, across the keyboard, and she says, no. But what we can do is, I do suggest, is that you order an e-book, or you can download it to your Kindle. And I said, well, that's a great idea, but I said, honestly, I don't do that. I really like books. I like, to, I like the feel of it in my hand. There's just something about it. I like to, to feel the, the pages run through my fingers, and I like to highlight and different things like that. She goes, oh. <laughs> I'll admit, I felt like a dinosaur at that moment. And I said to her, I go, well, I said, what's wrong? She goes, oh, I don't know. I just, I, I just figured you'd want to access it easier. I said, no, I want the book. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but see, we, we are in a culture, we are in a world that feeds us instant gratification. Everything is obtainable and on demand in that moment. But what is even sillier is that in the body of Christ, we are merging that world. We are merging that culture into our mindset. And we want our spirituality to be instant. We want instant spiritual gratification. We want an automatic download with the press of a prayer button to land right in us and we just walk it out. That's what's even sillier. Often we accredit this to the lack of patience. We just simply say, well, I'm not patient enough to wait around. I'm not patient enough to spend more time in prayer. I'm not patient enough to read the word. I'm not patient enough to stand and and sing songs for a half hour. I need to know right now. I've got things to do. I'm sorry to tell you, but God is totally the opposite of us. This was never God's intention because God is the creator of patience. If you think about this, he is the author of patience. He created the world in six days, and he took the seventh day to rest. God. God took six days to create the universe. He could have said one word, 
and the entire universe could have been created in a minute or less or whatever, whatever you want to say. But in one simple word, God could have chosen to create the universe in a matter of seconds in its entirety with every animal, every living and breathing thing, plant, creature, tree, you name it. He could have chose that. But instead, he demonstrates to us that his nature is of patience. And so he took six days. We see this later on in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Jesus goes through his whole entire ministry, declares who he is, the world begins to see who he is, and he goes to the cross and he is crucified and he dies. Jesus Christ didn't have to wait three days in the grave. In fact, Jesus could have died on the cross, they could have buried him that night, and the next day, boom, he could have been gone. He, in fact, he could have waited until day two. Now, could you imagine the Christ sitting, sitting in there on that stone slab? Okay, come on, let's go here. Let's roll this up. Come on. All right, let's wrap it up. I think uh, if I got to push it one more day. But that's how we are. But Jesus took three days and he rose on the third day. An incredible demonstration of godly patience. And God knows that our lives are a journey and a journey takes time. I'm going to admit to you that I'm about to teach and equip you with some information that'll probably take you about six months to process through, which I encourage you to do. See, generally, we have two ways of journeying with the Lord. The first one is we have a a direct, powerful encounter with God. And this could be in our prayer time. It could be through singing. It could be through reading the word, or, or maybe we take several days to to deny ourselves of food and and we fast from food just so we can hear God with more clarity. We have this direct encounter with God. But then most of the time what we find, the other encounter with God is through process. Process is where God takes what seems like his good old time and he takes us from where we currently are and puts us through a series of steps to get us to where he wants us and needs us to be. And if we declare that we are supernatural followers of Jesus, then we must understand that the natural ways of man no longer carry authority because we operate from a supernatural place. Patience is always at the center of our spiritual journey. Now, now I know some of you are like, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, 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 patience, wait, 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 no, no, you're taking Jesus out of the picture. No, I'm not. Jesus is the center of our spiritual journey, and within the center of Jesus is patience. You cannot have Jesus on your own terms. You cannot have Jesus and say, I love everything else about you, but that patience thing, I'm good, we'll take a little hiatus from that. No matter where you are at in your spiritual journey, patience is required of you. It's required of all of us. So this morning, what I want to do Yes, I work out. No, actually, if you really felt this chair, you could throw it with one arm. So what we're going to do this morning is I want us to relax. I want us to learn to relax in the presence of God. 
Now, please understand me for some of you who are getting a little ruffled at the moment. And you're saying, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's the fear of God in this? Where's, let's just take a breather. I didn't say we're taking away the fear of God. I'm saying that it's time as the body of Christ, as Christ followers, that we need to approach God in a place where we can actually enjoy who he is, who he wants to be for us, and that we can understand that there are times that we can approach his presence and relax, because that's his intention for us. The whole reason that I have this chair up here today is not because I'm lazy or because I want to be comfortable is to give us a direct view of how God intends for us to be in his presence all the time. See, it's easy for us that when things are going great and every situation in our lives is perfect, it's easy for us to do this. It's easy for us just to get up in daddy's lap and kind of just hang out and, and sit and be comfortable in every position that we want to be in. But what about those moments in our lives when that doesn't happen? What about those moments when in our lives, it seems that everything is against us? All the pressures that when we're sitting in the presence of God, everything is coming against us and the chair is moving and rocking and pushing forward and it feels as though we're going to fall out. What do we do in that moment? We result to our patience and we come to this place where we enjoy God. So this morning, we're going to approach this whole time with some outrageous, ridiculous confidence because of who Jesus is for us. I know that in a congregation this size, there are many of you right now that you feel like you're right here, and this is the surface of your circumstance, and you're below it. I'm going to challenge you by the end of today to get right here with Abba God. Come to this place with your patience. Patience isn't just about enduring affliction or pain without anger or complaining. So many times we take the dictionary definition of God's attributes in nature and then we apply it to our lives. That right there was Webster's definition. And a lot of times when we think of patience, we we think of like, we're, we're going to be patient in the situation and we're not going to get mad and, and, and that's patience and we're controlled. Or patience really is not sitting at the light on peach for five minutes while everyone else seems to go and you never get released to go. That's, that's patience, but this is a different kind of patience that we're talking about this morning. In fact, James gives us a much deeper, challenging understanding of what patience is. So we're going to camp out in the book of James this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to open up to your Bibles. Or if not, you can look on your outlines or you can join us on the screens. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, this is what he says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the, taste, the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, at first glance of this passage, it seems as like James is the killjoy of our life. You know, it's like we want somebody to sympathize with us. We want to throw like a little pity party and put on the pity party hat, you know, and blow the little horn and, you know, hey, look at me. I'm really sad and everything isn't going my way. And then James comes along. So we're like, oh, we'll go to the word of God. We'll get comforted, you know, and everything will fall in line with just what I need for my situation. And then we turn over to James and he's like, mm, no, 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 no. 
No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Count it all joy. What on earth is he talking about? Obviously, he doesn't know what I'm going through. See, in our passive Christian mindset, a lot of times we eagerly expect Jesus to come in on his white horse and his big flaming sword and pick us up and ride us off right out of the battle and in, and in and away and into his presence where everything is good. But the majority of the time, that is not the process that Jesus puts us through. A lot of times he rides in on his white horse with his flaming sword and he looks at us and says, shut up and pick up your sword and let's battle this together. Jesus says, shut up. <laughs> Him and I talked about it earlier. But James squashes that whole mentality, that whole mindset. Instead, this is what James declares. Trials are for rejoicing. Trials are for rejoicing. Now, how many, how many of you did this last time? Maybe you're in your circumstance right now. How many of you are like, yay, I'm so excited, trials! <laughs> I'm so excited my car broke down. It's going to cost me a couple thousand to get it fixed. <laughs> I, I'm sure none of us did that, right? I'm, I'm sure. But James tells us that trials are for rejoicing. That word trial actually means things that put a person to a test. So James tells us that these things that put you to a test are actually for rejoicing. And then before that, he throws in that phrase, consider it all joy. Joy and patience go hand in hand. God intended it that we would never have one without the other. See, what would happen if we had the joy of the Lord and that became the line, the threshold of our mindset. That nothing would be allowed to go below that level, but only go upward. So that when we have our heart broken, yes, we have emotions that God has given us and, and things go bad at times, but when we have our heart broken, what if Joy was our threshold, and instead of going allowed to go below that, we would simply ascend above that and only go forward. James says, put joy at the threshold of your mind and only go beyond that when you are faced with a test, when you are faced with something that seems absolutely impossible. Because our initial response when in a trial is to engage God with rejoicing. And here's why. We get a fantastic blessing with each trial. When was the last time you thought about that? Trials have this possibility of producing patience within us if we're willing. In fact, James says that, that Trials will put our faith to the test. It will stretch us. It will mold us. It'll work deep within our character to get those things out that we just really don't want to deal with, but God puts his finger on and says, it's been too long, we're going to deal with this. In fact, the fantastic blessing in the trial is patience. 
Now, I know some of you are smart. You're thinking like, wow, fantastic blessing. All right. You know, we, and we automatically think of financial gain or, or material gain or, or we think about something, something other than, and God is simply saying, no, 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 you're missing the point. In the trial, this fantastic blessing that I just want to pour out and bless you with is patience. And then you're like, oh, so I don't know about you, but like I have this like numbering system in my head that like sometimes haunts me. And so like spiritual gifting sometimes is really hard for me. Like sometimes like my flesh overrides and I want to put numbers of importance in my own personal life as to like, okay, God, if, if I could have this spiritual gift, that would be number one. And if I could have this spiritual gift, that'd be number two. And all these things are important to me. And so like, honestly, in my numbering system in my head, patience is like negative 10. <laughs> And then one day God got a hold of me and was like, no, 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 no. Patience is important. Patience is critical. Patience is a weapon that I use to combat the enemy. Patience is what keeps you in my presence. That word patience there is actually translated to have the tenacity or the stick to that's not my version. That's the, the actual translation. So when James tells us, he goes, your faith produces patience. He's saying that your, your faith will produce this tenacity, this stick to that you've never had before to follow through and overcome that which you are currently in. How many of you enjoy patience? How many of you prayed for it? Some of you will never pray for it again. That's all right. But what if we prayed for a different kind of patience? What if we expanded our mindsets and our hearts and our spirit, man, and we actually pray for a different type of patience? Sometimes the process of patience involves lengthy periods of our lives. And we have a hard time combating that because of what the world and culture has tried to infuse within us. Why do we need to be patient when we can leave Sunday morning church and zip down to McDonald's and within 10 minutes have lunch? Why do we need to be patient when we can open up our Blackberries or our iPhones and pay our bank account immediately instead of going to the bank? Why do we need to be patient? All these things are good, but why, why do we need to be patient with God? when we can open up our iPhones and read our Bible instead of flipping through the actual physical pages. All those things are good. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I thank the Lord for microwaves. But we cannot take the things that are natural of this world and try to fuse it with the Spirit of God. It does not work and it will always contradict. In those lengthy spaces is where we meet the Holy Spirit. In that process that seems to take forever, that is where we actually encounter the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is there where the Holy Spirit comes to us and encourages us and convicts us and brings to our attention these areas of our lives and says, hey, I'm here with you now and we're going to work through this because this is where Jesus needs your character to be. And so we're just going to take our time 
and process through this together, but you're not doing it alone. And in those moments, we can really miss what God wants to do within us. We can really miss out on an intentional blessing of God if we're not willing to submit to those lengthy periods in our lives. In fact, a lot of times what we don't realize is God is working in those spaces, in those lengthy periods of our lives. But what we fail to miss sometimes is during that time, while God is working, the enemy is working even harder to try to get us away from that. The agenda of God, okay? Now some of you are like, yes, the pastor said it from the pulpit, God has an agenda. I'm about to destroy your agenda. (laughs) Yes, God has an agenda, but it's simply this. In those spaces that are full of lengthy time, he wants to increase your knowledge of his love for you. And he wants to work in you and prosper your character to become more like him. That is an intentional blessing. But at the same time, while God is working, and at the same time, while we and Holy Spirit are plugging away and turning those things inside of us and ripping things out and replacing them with the kingdom of God, the enemy is hard at work. His number one agenda is to steal, kill, rob, and destroy. He has no desire to love you, no intention to prosper you, no intention to make sure that you do things for the kingdom of God. His ultimate goal is to see that you perish. And he is really greedy and extremely selfish and full of pride. And he'll do anything that he can to do that. So when we choose not to submit to the patience of God and what he is doing, we actually set ourselves up to be robbed by the enemy without even realizing it. Patience is the image of God with inside of us. When we choose to be bitter and angry and upset and when we choose to throw a temper tantrum, I don't know about it. Any of you still do that? I have a five, four, four and a half year old going on five, and she still does that. And, and a lot of times I feel like God's using her to point things out to me. <laughs> but when, but when, you, when we choose to do that in the midst of our trial, instead of submitting to patience, the enemy then has advantage to take over. And it's kind of like simply like, you're at your own house and you get a knock on the door and you open the door a crack just to kind of see who it is and it's the enemy. And without even realizing it, he slips his foot in between the door and the door frame and now you can't shut it. It's the same way that when we are in the midst of a circumstance or a trial, as James says, that instead of choosing to rejoice and learn to be patient to have that stick to We choose to be bitter and angry and upset and full of hatred. The enemy then has access into our lives. And then he invites all of his buddies in and they take what they want. I don't know about you, 
but patience is sounding really good right now. The intentional blessing of God is to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. I can't think of a more incredible blessing than being formed into the image of Jesus on the inside. If you hunger for power, get the image of Jesus on the inside and he will give you the definition of power. If you hunger to be used and to be recognized, because see, all those things are of the enemy. And if you hunger to be used and to be recognized, let the character of Christ, the image of Jesus, work deep with inside of you. And those things will fall away and you will realize that you only need to be recognized by one, the Lord Jesus. Patience is about learning to endure and fight for what God has promised us. Rhetorical question. I want you to ask this though to yourself. What has God promised you? What has God promised you? When was the last time that you actually sat down in the busyness of your schedule, made some room without praying or without coming with your list that we all have, and you simply sat before God and said, what are the promises you have for me? When was the last time you opened up the word of God and scrolled through the pages of the scriptures and let the promises of God that are in written form jump out at you and pierce your heart. And then you're like, wow, I think that's for me. I need to write that down. And instead of putting it up here in, in that moment where we're like all excited for a moment and then we just like forget about it, we actually like scribe it out and then dwell on it and pray on it and all this. Thursday night, I was at a Bible study and I was giving this example to the, the Bible study group. And I was talking to them about several years ago, I was going through the McDonald's drive-thru. And I pull up and I order a happy meal for my daughter. And, you know, we do all that as parents. And, and uh, I got done. And as I was, I was in that space of waiting, from the time that I made my petition to the time where I was looking to receive something, I was caught in that middle space of waiting. Not everything's spiritual, but, you know, just follow me. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Jason, how much longer will you be satisfied with Happy Meal revelations? How much longer will you be satisfied with looking at me as a 99-cent God? See, we train ourselves in our culture of the church that if we just need something from God, it's like that little 99 cent happy meal of happiness. And when we get that little revelation that's a toy and we shake it and we play with it and we're all excited for about 10 minutes and then all of its goodness just wears out and it goes into the pile of other revelations that we've received over the years, you know, but they had their time and all the excitement's worn out of them. 
and we look for the next best thing. What has God promised you? Second question is, is what has he directly spoken over you? What has he said about you? When was the last time you asked God and say, God, how do you view me? That's not selfish. It's not conceited. God wants to speak over us more than we are willing to listen. He wants to intentionally tell us the desires of his heart for us more than we are willing to believe and more than we are willing to listen. Because we take this mindset, this earthly mindset, and we go over to God and we put it on his throne and we say, here, Jesus, Lord, here, this will fit you better. And so now, now I'm comfortable being in your presence because I know when I screw up, I know that you're extremely angry at me because when I screw up, I'm extremely angry at everybody else. I'm more comfortable now in your presence because I know that, that you know, when, when I sin, I realize that I'm unapproachable. Like I can't, I can't approach you because I've sinned and, and I'm really not follow, following into your forgiveness and I really don't believe in your grace and I really don't believe in your repentance. So therefore, I know that you don't believe in grace and you don't believe in forgiveness and you don't believe in repentance. So now we're on the same page. And God sits there on his throne and he just takes it off and he like crumbles it in his hand and he just watches it smither away and he goes, I don't know what you were trying to do, but that doesn't belong in my kingdom. Take what I have for you. So what are the things that God has spoken over you directly? One thing that my mentor has really challenged me to do is he said, we all have these words of inheritance Words that we find scriptures in the word of God that the Lord puts his finger on and says, that scripture's for you. And, and prophetic words that people speak over us or words of knowledge or encouragement that we write down and the Lord says, those are for you. Or we hear God in our quiet times say, you are a lover of majesty. That's how I see you. And we write that down and we say, oh, God sees me as a lover of majesty. That is awesome. And we write it down. Those are our words of inheritance. Those are the things that God has set aside in heaven just for us, just for you, just for me. Now, I don't know if he has them in a shoebox or a treasure chest. I don't know, but, but just follow along with me. So in the midst of that, my mentor said to me, he goes, I want you to seek the heart of God and take all the prophetic words that you've ever been given, all the scriptures that have been spoken over you, all the things that you have heard God, and I want you to form them into a word of inheritance. This is what God has spoken to me. I am a warrior. I am a fighting, warring father with an apostolic strategy. I'm a giant killer who destroys the enemies of darkness. I run into the enemy's battle while others run from it. I am a worshiper. I'm a David in the house of the Lord, a man after God's own heart. I will declare and worship from a threshold of Jesus-centered joy. I am a lover of majesty. I'm a demonstrator of the reality of heaven on earth. I'm a man of revolutionary valor. I am a radical and courageous warrior who thrives in the center of the spiritual battle. I am a modern day Elisha, one who exposes and blows the cover of the enemy. One who picks off the enemy like weeds in the fields of grain. I live from the continuous presence and power of the Holy Spirit and I will move beyond favor and healing 
through the Holy Spirit. I'm an apostolic pioneer and I look for new frontiers and blaze a trail to show others the way. See, it is in those spaces of patience where I take those inheritance words and I begin to declare them and pray them so my patience builds greater. So my stick to in the midst of the test stays stronger. And so in the midst of my situation, I can stand in the face of the enemy, right with patience, and I can simply sit there and say, go ahead, because I'm a worshiper. I'm a man after God's own heart in the house of David. Go ahead. I'm a warrior, and I'm a giant killer. And the Lord will cut your head off in the name of Jesus. That's available to all of us. Some of you are like combating this little lie in your head right now. It's like, well, you're a pastor. You're closer to God. No, no, no. It's available to all of us. Patience is about learning to endure and fight for that which God has promised us. As we're finishing up, look with me in James 1.4. James continues on to say, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what if patience wasn't about just slowing down? What if patience wasn't about just taking our time in the midst of something that is specific? What if, what if we would just stop identifying and, and putting terms on things and, and saying, well, the Lord's trying my patience. What, what, if we just, what if we just let that go? What if in the next trial that you are in, you just sit back in the presence of God and enjoy him? and embrace those lengthy spaces that seem to be taking forever and you actually inherit the blessing that God has for you, which is being created more in the image of Jesus instead of missing that. Maybe patience is about learning to receive from God when we're under pressure. Maybe, maybe, maybe patience isn't about panicking when it feels as though the boat is sinking and all the water is coming in, Jesus gave that incredible example. He was asleep in the stern. Jesus was receiving something from God, I believe. I really believe that. That's my personal opinion. But I believe that for Jesus to be asleep in the midst of a storm, in the stern, while everything is caving in and, and all of these guys are going crazy and screaming and shouting, he had to have been in tune with something that the Lord was saying that was so important that nothing was going to disturb his peace. Patience is about depending on his promises in the midst of the storm. That when we can't see in front of us, we depend on what we know from the word of God. Several years ago, my wife and I were traveling back from Pennsylvania into New Jersey because we had lived there. We entered into a series of storms in the Poconos area that we had to travel through. I had traveled that road so much 
that I basically knew where every curve and turn and twist and turn was. I even knew where the cops sit, but I mean, not that none of us speed or anything or get convicted of that, but I knew the road and I knew the turns and I, I knew the dips and I knew how high and how low. And when that rainstorm came, it was so intense that that heavy rain coming so fast and coming at the right, it was, it was the perfect storm. And it's just coming and I couldn't even see and my wipers couldn't even keep up. I had to pull over and wait, even though I knew what was ahead. I needed to have patience and wait in that space. Even though we may know what is coming and we see it, God slows us down for a reason because he wants to do something within us. And if we're not willing to live from a place of patience, we won't develop spiritually. If we're not willing to wait and grow in a place of patience, we will not grow spiritually. Look at your life right now and examine it and say, I feel like I hit a plateau. I feel like I'm stagnant spiritually. Is there something that maybe God is just simply saying, I told you a while ago, walk with me this direction and quit going that direction because I want to grow you. A while back, the Lord had spoken to me and I wrote something in my journal about taking a specific sabbatical for one year from something specific in my ministry and my life. Two years later, because I did not do it, two years later, the Lord brought it back around to me and he said to me as I reread it, he said, Jason, you can continue the rest of this year the way you want to do it, but I will bring you back here until you are willing to submit and allow me to do what I want to for that year in you. I submitted. <laughs> this process of patience allows the Holy Spirit to refine us to become more like God. And the enemy is working to make us become more like him. So real quick, let me just give you a rundown of the image of God and what it includes. Goodness, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, life, truth, fullness, just a few examples. And the image of hell includes anger, lust, envy, hatred, pride, manipulation, abuse, control. It could just go on and on and on. But since we are victorious and God sees us completely equipped and ready, we must move from the opposite spirit of the enemy. That's what patience is about. Moving in the opposite spirit of the enemy. The more we fight against God and what he yearns to do in us, the quicker our spiritual development slows down and the quicker we are created into the image of the enemy versus the image of God. You might want to write down this next phrase because it's very important and I never really tell you that. Our instant culture is teaching us how to be impatient with God when the church should be demonstrating to the world how to wait on God. I will repeat that. Our instant culture is teaching us how to be impatient with God when the church should be demonstrating to the world how to wait on God. I'll close with this. People of patience know how to rejoice, live in stillness, 
and ignore. When we choose to rejoice in the midst of our patience, it refocuses back to Jesus. It takes us off what we physically see in the situation and brings us back to Jesus. When we live from a place of stillness, that is where we receive revelation from God for our situation. But stillness will not come with impatience. And then ignoring. We all need to hear this. Ignoring the enemy. We must learn that we don't fight on his terms and we don't fight on his battleground. We have a choice. So let's stop. We fight on God's terms, God's timeline, and God's battleground where we always have the advantage. Stop submitting to the terms of the enemy. Get off his battlefield and stand with ridiculous confidence in a place of patience and ah, with God and fight on his terms. Let's stand. In a minute, I'm going to pray for you, but I encourage you to be patient with what I talked about today and give yourself four or five months to process through what I equipped you with today so that the kingdom of God can expand into places that we have never expanded before. I encourage you to be patient and not settle for happy meal revelations of God and quick fixes to your current spiritual battles or to your physical circumstances. I encourage you to be patient. Be a warrior of God that understands the patience of the Lord and fights from a place of rejoicing, stillness, and ignoring the enemy. And you will be more victorious than you have in your whole entire Christian walk. I guarantee you that. We are in a new era. We are in a new spirit. We are in a new kingdom of what God is doing. And if we will not heed to his timing, we will miss on what he is doing. If you want to move in a place of greater patience, I'm going to ask you to take a posture of receiving, simply opening up your hands to say, God, I want this patience. I don't want that run-of-the-mill old patience. I want this supernatural patience that you have for me. And I'm going to throw a warning out there. It's going to get dangerous. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what your word tells us. I thank you that when things seem unstable in our lives, where we have questions, your word is what keeps us strong. And Father, your word, Father, is what keeps us in the midst of truth and keeps us from veering away. In the name of Jesus, I declare a releasing of the supernatural patience of God over those, God, who desire to move and receive this, that they will see the battle from a different point of view, that, Father, their circumstances will no longer override them, that they will embrace those spaces in between their beginning and their end of what you have for them. And, Father, that when they hear the word patience, they will think with a different mindset and their spirit man will rise up 
and encourage them to go beyond where they are currently at. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Enjoy your week.